Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. This is an Ethereum podcast, and it's also syndicated on other radio networks. Today I'm delighted to say we're going to be joined by someone I actually met in Toronto and he's in Toronto now and that's Gino Shaldoni who will be sharing his moment of truth with us and also I must say very delighted to be joined by my wife Alison Lawrence who will lead us in our practice today. And today we're going to be Going to the third freedom again, as you know, on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we are extremely privileged because we're able to play, and no other radio uh, podcast that I know of is doing this on a regular basis at all, extracts from the nine freedoms, as they were delivered over 60 years ago by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King, the greatest medium of our times, I would say probably through all history, but certainly of our times, Dr. George King. And these teachings are second to none in my view, hence I am choosing to focus this entire show around it. And we have the permission, for which I'm very grateful of the international directors of the Ethereum Society, to play these extracts. And when we play them, we're playing virtually the voice of a God, not of God, which we, uh, of course, have discussed before, is the absolute, is all life throughout the entire universe, but of a virtual God. It's almost, in a way, uh, it's not quite this, but it's almost like hearing that voice that Moses must have heard uh, when he heard the Ten Commandments, although in this case, it's through the mediumship of Dr. King. But it is an absolute pronouncement by a Lord And we are taking the time in the Spiritual Freedom Show to take individual pearls of wisdom out of the nine freedoms. Last time we were looking at the highest of them all, the ninth freedom, taking some aphorisms about the those who actually live on the sun, the solar lords, solar existence. And from that, we're coming to the third freedom today and taking an extract from that. And that's the way we're doing it on this show. And we have the opportunity to do so. And one of the questions which I've been asked, I've been asked in the media, and it comes up every so often, why spiritual service? Why is it that we are focused on people giving spiritual service? You know, we say at the beginning of the show, or uh, Lisa, who did the voice, Lisa Rossa, whose voice you hear at the beginning of every show, materialism counts for nothing. And by that, we don't mean material things count for nothing. We live in a material life and we have to deal with material things. Of course we do. We have to pay the bills. We have to help on a physical level. It's an absolutely essential part of life on this realm. It's not the most important part, but it's an essential part. But that's not materialism. Materialism is a belief that that's all there is. Our whole life should be geared to material life and there's nothing beyond it. And that's where we draw the line on the Spiritual Freedom Show. Because as Dr. King once said, there's only one crisis on earth, and that's the spiritual energy crisis. And I'm going to come back to that 
later in the show. But when we're talking about service, when we're talking about the third freedom, there are many ways to serve, and that is stated in the third freedom. But our focus here is especially, not only, but especially on spiritual service. So in the light of those uh, thoughts, let us listen now to this first extract from the third freedom. Break away from your own troubles by concentrating upon the sufferings of others. Serve in the great spiritual battle and you can walk with head high and stand in any hall unafraid to read what be written there the greatest yoga is service the greatest religion is service the greatest act is that act done in service absolute epoch changing words i would say um the greatest yoga is service the greatest religion is service the greatest act is that act done in service it's placing service at the top of the tree the apex of our action and that's where it really belongs uh it's not a thing we just have to get on with and do while we're really focused on other matters such as our spiritual development this is our spiritual development this is our path. This is everything. But Mars Sector 6 starts there with some extremely helpful words. Break away from your own troubles by concentrating upon the sufferings of others. And as always, there's far more meaning in that than may appear at first sight. At one level, it's an actual fairly obvious fact, I think. Um, Abraham Lincoln said, to ease another's heartache is to forget one's own. Uh, and we only have to look at our world and we can see so much suffering. I mean, you, you don't have to look very far at the news to see er areas of our world which are decimated by poverty, by disease, by war. And really, in the light of that, our own problems are extremely petty, I'm sure. In fact, earlier in that same freedom, the third freedom, Mars Sector 6 says, if you would be detached from your own petty worries, you would serve. So that's one thing. It will help us just to focus away from ourselves and to focus on others and their problems. And then we'll break away, as he says, from our own troubles. It won't mean that we'll be dealing with our own troubles. We may still have to deal with certain things. They come along, may have to be dealt with, but we'll see them in a completely different light. And I mean, I've heard anecdotally from those who, uh, anecdotally i should say from those who work for, for some of the super rich that some of the super rich can be troubled by the slightest of things it can trouble them if the folds in their bed 
are creased. If there's a tiny smudge of dirt on the banister of a staircase, if the soup spoon is placed on the wrong side of the knife, this can be not just something that needs correcting, of course, but something that is really upsetting. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't do these things properly, but it's again an example of needless, petty troubles. Uh, and uh, that's the upset, the attachment to the petty. And likewise in our own lives. I, I don't suppose there are many listeners to this show who are super rich. I think if they were, they'd have probably made sure they weren't by helping those who needed the wealth by now. But we might have problems with money, with health, with work, with relationships. All these things come along. And the key here, and this is great advice from Marcel Six, is not to magnify them in our minds. They have to be dealt with. Not We don't want denial. But as I said earlier, when compared with the problems of billions of people, they are really minute. I mean, in fact, there are millions of people who would give their eye teeth to have the problems that we have rather than their own. So Mars Sector 6 advises us to break away from our troubles, concentrate on the sufferings of others. And two things will happen when we do that. Firstly, we get this much better perspective, which means we can deal with it better. But secondly, and this is the other deeper aspect to it, we alter our karma for the better by serving others. And that improves our karmic pattern. And therefore, we diminish that way, karmically diminish the problems we have to face. Neither of those should be the main reasons we serve. We serve others because their need is greater than ours. But these will be the results. Serve in the great spiritual battle and you can walk with head high and stand in any hall unafraid to read what be written there. Uh, of course, there is a great battle. There is a battle going on on our world. And this is where the spiritual energy crisis really does come in and how we have to deal with it. And we really can deal with it uh, in, in many ways through spiritual service. Uh, and so that's why, as Dr. King said in his, in fact, this is taken from the book I was privileged to co-author with Dr. King, Contacts with the Gods from Space. He says, when this spiritual energy crisis has been put right and not before, all the physical energy man needs in his journey through evolution must come to him by karmic law. The knowledge how to get it must come to him then. So we have a physical energy crisis facing us today and in the years to come purely because man has not given spiritual energy its right importance. Stop and think about the real sources of energy and how to use these correctly. If you do it through religion, then do it through your religion. If you do it as a non-religious person, then do it as a non-religious person, but do it. Use the vast spiritual energy battery, which is the whole of creation. Let it course through you, become a radiator for this and send it out to all and go through the whole process of evolution. And I think that's a very brilliant and quite succinct explanation of why spiritual service for those who believe in it and are willing to practice it is the real ultimate key, even more than the physical forms, which are needed. And they are necessary, and more people are actually willing to do them. 
but the spiritual service alters things also, as he explained there, at a karmic level. And then we get this incredible statement at the end that it's the greatest yoga, the greatest religion, the greatest act. Something which had been said a year earlier, actually, by the Master Etherius in a transmission called From Free Will to Freedom. Outstanding transmission. Available, actually, at www.etherius.org through the Ethereum Society website, where you can also find out a lot more about the Nine Freedoms. If this is your first Spiritual Freedom show, check out the Nine Freedoms page on that website and you'll see more where our source material is coming from. But a year before this, in that transmission from free will to freedom, the Master Ethereum said this. This is the great key, the great yoga, the great practice, the great Christianity, the great religion, the greatest deeds that you can do in these days. And it does contradict, actually, some of the old writings on yoga, where you might find Raja Yoga, the yoga of mental and psychic control, or Nani Yoga, the study and meditation upon the wisdom, say, of the Upanishads, for example. Or you might find Kundalini or Kriya Yoga, controlling the inner powers through the Nadis and the Chakras, they might be placed at the top of the tree. You're unlikely to find an acknowledgement of karma yoga as being the greatest of them all. And that is the big change. This has now changed. Service comes first, not just to your family, friends, local community, that we all should do anyway, but global service to all life throughout the planet. And as far as possible, if ever possible, to the planet, the Mother Earth, because without her, None of these paths of yoga would be available to us anyway. The greatest religion is service. And the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the Dharmapada of the Buddhist teachings, the Hindu scripts known as the Vedas, do not spell that out in this definite, clear manner. They're great teachings. I say that with the greatest possible respect to all those traditions. But we've moved on to another level now. This is a, a, a teaching, the Nine Freedoms, for the thinkers uh, and the people who are going into the new age or preparing themselves to go into the new age. It doesn't make the old teachings wrong, but unless service is now placed at the absolute pinnacle of every teaching, there'll be something not quite right with it. And I think that's quite a, a statement and something to really uh, think about. They need to change in line with this approach. And, and it's an approach, by the way, as we found in some of the earlier shows, adopted on other planets and even the sun. And even in the 12 blessings we'll see beyond even this solar system, the greatest beings put service at the top of the tree. Not achievement for achievement's sake, such as in sport or intellectual contests, but achievement to bring the maximum degree of service in our world. That's what we should be all about now, and that's what spirituality really was always about, but certainly now it has to be placed in that priority. Well, I think I must now bring into the show someone I haven't yet mentioned, actually, who's always on the show because he's our producer, and he does a lot behind the scenes for this show, and he always comes on with his questions and his comments that he's, we've received, and thanks so much for all those that are sent into the show. We're still getting them. We love getting them. And so welcome, Darren Ball. Hey, Richard. How are you doing? Very well. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. You know, there's a couple of things there that you you said that really stood out to me. This this idea of um, the spiritual battle, and uh, you know, we talked in a previous show about choosing our path, and you know, it was this tone, actually, this feeling that really um, that really did it for me. I think, um, as well as this idea of global service, which you just emphasized at the end there. You know, the opportunity to have a global impact, I think, was one of the most appealing things to me about this path of King Yoga. Yeah, and I think um, that's a sign. Can I just add there? That's a, like a sign of the times because mm. you know there was a time when people weren't. I mean, I remember like university and and in all that period, you know, going back to the seventies and so on. People were looking at meditation. They were looking at development. They were looking at spirituality as a thing, but not so much service. And that's mm. the big change. As a matter of fact, it's a very odd thing, Darren, that in the mind, body, spirit, and in particular, the so-called new age movement, you yeah. don't see a lot of emphasis on service. You see a lot of emphasis on you know, your own health and being calm and, you know, all that sort of thing and mindfulness. And But you don't see service placed squarely at the top. I think that's where uh, the cosmic teachings that we have really do stand out. Yeah, and I think for me, it's because people haven't necessarily been able to see the connection yet between like what what the master was talking about there, you know, about using spiritual energy to change the world and, you know, bringing together spirituality and service into something that is literally world changing. So I think... um, And I think you're right, by the way, I know you've got the comments, but I'll quickly say, I think your generation and younger people coming through now are looking more for global service, sometimes in material ways, which are still very good and really needed. Uh, but they're looking for it, and that's a, a really good sign. And since the Nine Freedoms was delivered, I think there has been a change in the mindset uh, of the earth, and maybe that's one of the reasons there has been a change, actually. No, that's really true. I do see that in my peers, and particularly even in the generation you know, next that's coming to um, this real attitude about um, not just helping others, as you say, but you know, what can we do to make the world better um, mm-hmm. and stand up for it as well. So I do have... Um, Great questions and comments, actually, that we've had coming in the last few weeks. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to everybody who's been sending those in. Do keep them coming. As always, I encourage you, everybody listening, to write into Spiritual Freedom at Richard Lawrence at Cody UK. Um, with those questions or thoughts on the teachings or even an experience or story that you'd like to share, too, uh, we really do like to read those out to everybody. They are inspiring for others. Um, also, I'd like to invite you to check out Richard's website. That's UK for other shows around the world that he's appeared on, um, other shows and interviews that he's done. So, Richard, I um, had a question here actually on this theme of service that we're talking about today. Um, We had one come in about prayer, actually, quite specific, which I'll share with you here. It says, I have a quick question, if you'd be so kind to take a moment to answer this for me, so that I may serve in my truest potential. Our master said that it was impossible for one to hold two thoughts in their mind at once. I know this to be true because when I'm praying and visualizing the white light, I can feel the warmth of its rays bathing me. However, as soon as I start to pray and have to think about what I'm going to say, my mind is taken off of the white light and is on instead what to say in the prayer. How can I keep the visualization of the white light whilst at the same time being able to think about what to say in prayer? I feel as though I'm attempting to visualize two things at once and I'm finding it difficult. Okay, that's a that's a very interesting question, actually, which could have quite an involved uh, answer to it. Uh, <laughs> simply, I think, taking the quote from the Dr. King that you can't concentrate on two things at once. Of course, that's pure yoga. That's pure Raja yoga. Single-minded mm. focus on a single point is the essence of even eventually, when we're ready, of samadhi. Uh, it goes all the way through there. But of course, you can be aware of more. Uh, let's, let's use the word aware of more mm. than one thing at a time. You're driving a car, 
you know, you're aware of the speed and you're also aware of the road and you're also aware of your mirror, hopefully, and so on. So you can do more than one thing at once. Um, and I do think, as interestingly enough, when Dr. King used to take part in a mission we do called Operation Prayer Power and put a lot of energy, you know, infinitely more than we put in in the same period of time into a battery, he didn't use words. He didn't use prayer. So the words themselves of a prayer, they're beautiful, but they're also only a device in a way to invoke mm. the energy. And just as the visualization of the white light is a, in a way a device to invoke the energy, because the energy will come. Uh, that's the first thing I wanted to say to this question. You don't really need to worry. You know, you start off, you get the ball rolling. The intention is there. The purpose is there. You, you, you're, you're aware of what you're doing, even if you're now concentrating on the words. It won't stop the flow of energy just because you're not thinking white light, white light, white light all the time. Uh, you don't need to worry about that. It will happen, just like driving the car will happen. Uh, you, you have to just take it all on board. Um, but ultimately, in the end, you become aware of drawing that energy and you know, becoming a focus for the, solving the spiritual energy crisis. And all these things can come together. So I, I would worry not too much about that. I would certainly concentrate on the words. But once you know the words, again, if you learn them off by heart, you have to spend less time doing that as well, focusing on that. You, your main focus is to be channeling energy out to the world. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's good advice. I think that really resonates with my experience. Is that in the beginning, yeah, you like like you say with the car analogy, you know, you're worried about the clutch and and the stick yeah. and you know all these other components. But you know, once you've been doing it for some time, it feels so natural that you're you're aware of them. But actually, you're just focused on the objective, which in this case is just driving to your destination. And with prayer, yeah. it's just being able to radiate this energy outwards. So yeah, I totally it agree. With that. And, and with, the same applies to breathing exercise. You've got to learn a technique. You might have to learn mm. a counting technique, and your whole your mind can be totally preoccupied with these things in the early stages but once it's auto becomes automatic and then you really focus on the prana and what's going on and the internal changes and so on mm. i thought i'd just uh, finish this section with a comment i had here from somebody which i think is very kind of in tune with what we've been talking about here which is um which came in and they say i've taken the last year off to have a break and reconnect with myself and i've started to become more spiritually aware i've now reached the point where i want to find a deeper level of spirituality I know my purpose here is to serve. I think that's the insight we all want wow. to get to. Yeah. And I'm, hap I'm happy that I can do this in so many ways, but I do sometimes wonder what else I could do. I don't want to live my life with regrets and block myself through fear. It is also becoming increasingly important to me to learn about spiritual truth and to live a more meaningful life. That's a, that's a very good comment. And um, you know, I would like to just say, I mean, even Dr. King himself, who'd done so much, if you study his life and it's published in the book, The King Who Came to Earth, which I co-authored with Brian Kniep, has just come out. But you'll see from any study of the site, you'll see that all the many things that he accomplished. But he was still never completely satisfied. And he was always wondering if he could do more, believe it or not. And, he, and not only wondering, he just, just did more. But because he wondered, he never stopped still. He never sat, settled for long for any accomplishment. He, mo he needed to move on. And, and do more. So that's not a bad thing that this this person, and by the way, I never hear these comments before the show deliberately, so it's spontaneous. It's, it's a, it's, I think it's a very, it's a wise thing that the person feels that way. And, you know, you'll, we're always striving to move on and, and probably there is more that you could do, just like there's more that I could do. And we just need to leave ourselves open to that. And it, the, the, the answers will come. They'll be, usually they're quite obvious. You know, if you're, 
spending 15 minutes a day in prayer, you could spend 30 minutes probably. I mean, they're, they're often they're not brain surgery, but there are more and there may be other ways you can get more connected to the cosmic plan. That's where I would look first if I was you. Yeah, that, thanks for that, Richard. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. And we'll have more from Darren later. But now I'm pleased to say we're going to turn to our first guest who's with us today from Toronto, Canada. Uh, that's Gino Sheldoni. Gino's an active staff member at our group in Toronto who found the Ethereum Society in the mid-80s, 1980s, and joined the staff just recently towards the end of last year. So he's a long-term player. He, he, he sticks to, you know, you've got to choose well, then stand fast in order to know God. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit. And he's he's been around and he's moving forward. He's a, he's a financial planner by day and night too sometimes. He's trained in the martial arts and triathlons, so watch out, folks, if you bump into Gino. And he devotes his time for the society to promotion and to teaching the spiritual development practices available in a book, which I was very honored to co-author with Dr. George King, Realize Your Inner Potential. So welcome, Gino. Thank you, Richard. And thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. I my story, as you as you mentioned, uh, begins in the you know I'll age myself here in the mid eighties uh, before the internet, <laughs> where we actually had to drive out somewhere to buy a book. Um, I, I had good fortune to be introduced to someone that I'm I owe a, a little bit of a tribute to here. I was a member of the Ethereum Society, who was my martial arts teacher, uh, Robert Simeone. And uh, those days uh, were, were quite incredible. He was, he was the real deal. I had never had exposure to spirituality or energy, chi, that, uh, uh, that line of thought. And he, uh, you know, in his classes, he, uh, he could spar, uh, Richard, if you can imagine, a spar blindfolded uh, with you know, <laughs> knives and screaming sticks coming at him. And uh, oh. I just, uh, I remember asking, you know, how could he possibly do this? Um, and uh, he, he said, well, why don't you stay after, after class and we'll have a chat? Well, <laughs> those discussions were, were absolute life changer. Um, it, um, uh, it, it got me onto the spiritual path. Uh, it wasn't long before I had the Ethereum Society teachings, the 12 blessings, the nine freedoms. Um, and in particular, I would say my aha moment or my moment of truth was definitely the transmission action is essential. I have to say it, uh, it absolutely turned my life upside down in, in a sense. And, uh, um, you know, going back to the nine freedoms with, with bravery and how many times in my life I've, I've come back to that. You never actually master that one, that first uh, freedom. You just, um, it's relevant always. And, um, I, I stuck with it, as you mentioned, throughout the years. <clears throat> um, the, I managed to um, connect with the Toronto group up here, uh, Alan Jaggard and, and Laura Shapiro, and uh, they, you know, they stuck to it uh, for years, um, running the operations up here, and um, that's pretty much how I knew I would join uh, the the Ethereum Society as my path. Um, it's, um, you know, when I think back growing up as a Roman Catholic, um, 
questioning sort of, you know, well, miracles were happening back then. Why, why aren't they, <laughs> did they just stop and why aren't things happening now? And it, it just created questions um, within me. And uh, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't long before answers started coming to me. I have to say that um, the, the teachings in the nine freedoms um, were so instrumental to me. Um, the same master, Mars Sector 6, that gave the, the nine freedoms, um, you know, gave also uh, spoke in that, that downloadable lecture or, or transmission, action is essential. And, uh, you know, his words just stood out to me. They, uh, as I mentioned, it's highly recommended for, for people to, you know, to listen to that. Um, if they're, if they're looking to, to really learn about, um, how they can change their lives. Um, but, uh, that's, um, that, I guess about the size of it. I, I have to say, I'm uh, just joined staff last year, um, again, and, um, you know, dedicating my, a lot of my spare time as, as many people do, but it, it seems to come early, uh, easy when you're, when you're inspired and you're on a, a motivated path. Um, we've got great people around us that, uh, that are inspirations as well, as well, uh, Richard yourself. And, um, a lot of the people that were, had the privilege to be alive during, uh, the time that the master, you know, worked personally with him. So that's, well, that's, uh, yeah. that's your moment of truth, Gina, and that's a very interesting moment of truth, that action is essential, uh, that brought Gino Sheldoni to the path, and, uh, and he's definitely on the path. So thank you so much, Gino, for joining us from Toronto with your moment of truth. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. And we'll move on now then to the next extract we're looking at today at the third freedom, which is service. And this is the second extract by Mars Sector 6, delivered through Dr. King over 60 years ago. Kill, possession, transmute selfishness into service for others, and your reward will come. Enlightenment, like the break of dawn upon the darkest night, will cast the shadows of this night before it. Serve, and you will become enlightened. Serve, and you will become enlightened says mars sector six and that's a promise made by a great lord and it's one that even people who aren't fully enlightened such as myself and i'm certainly not fully enlightened uh can still see this working out that service does lead to enlightenment and how balanced is that first of all we're told this is the yoga this is the religion this is the christianity this is the action. This is the path. Service. And then we're told, serve and you will become enlightened. So whereas in the past people might have sought out their own enlightenment, we don't need to do that now. 
We still know we're going in that direction, but we can throw everything into service and it will still come. Of course, uh, we should be doing the various practices uh, which will help us to become more uh, magnetic, more better channels for healing, um, purer, uh, more advanced, uh, awaken some of our intuitive and psychic abilities. All those things should be done, but done because they enhance our service. And in the process, we are traveling towards our enlightenment. I think it's the most wonderful promise of all. And I know that it works. I know that it works. It really, if you think about it, it must work. Because take the question we had earlier about prayer. And that person wants to concentrate to, to do the very best with their prayer, the white light, the words of the prayer, the various focus. But while they're doing that prayer, they must be starting to raise the energies within their aura to a higher psychic center, specifically the heart center. And it will draw the energies upwards, and that is progress towards enlightenment. It's very simple, and that's just prayer. Even a menial, practical task, motivated by service, must draw the energies. And while you're doing that menial, practical task, which might be absolutely essential, on certain occasions more essential than you actually doing a prayer, and that may sound controversial, but it's definitely true, and Dr. King would say the same thing. You need to do both, by the way, work and pray. But there's a time for prayer, there's a time for work. But while you're working spiritually in service, your concentration, you must concentrate even on whatever the task you're doing. And so you're drawing the energy upwards because it's service through concentration, which is the very essence, by the way, of Raja Yoga. That's what Raja Yoga really is, a spiritually focused concentration in one easy statement. But this extract started with two simple words, which I would take as a directive coming from Mars Sector 6, and let's remember with Mars Sector 6, he only uses enough words to make his point. He doesn't use 10 if he can use 2, or 20 if he can use 5. They all have their own different methods of teaching. The Master of Theories has a different approach, gives very similar teachings, by the way. Their essence is, is, is I would say, identical in essence, but with a very different approach. But Mars Sector 6, you get these terse, direct, statements and here you have one kill possession now we can take that in whichever manner we choose to take it we could see it as advice or a suggestion but to me as i say it's a directive directive uh, and, and that is really the best way to approach spiritual teaching it, certainly if you're going towards enlightenment there will come a stage for someone who's seeking enlightenment where you we will all have to be able to demonstrate obedience, obedience to truth, obedience to a master, if you're lucky enough to have one, depending on the path you follow. The directives of that master, the master doesn't have to be physically alive, by the way, for you to follow that master. And this is one of the things. And if we have that approach, then we'll be going much faster through evolution. Now, we should all have attained enlightenment, thousands, in fact, millions, if we really look at the history of our world, of years ago. But why didn't we? Because we were too selfish. I'm sorry to say that is the bottom line. And Mars Sector 6 gives us 
another piece of advice or teaching or directive, whichever way you look at it. He says, transmute selfishness into service for others and your reward will come. So there is a reward. You don't do it for a reward. If you did it for a reward, you wouldn't have transmuted selfishness. There's the paradox. But you've transmuted selfishness into service. What happens? You get the reward. And the reward in this case is enlightenment. Enlightenment like the break of dawn upon the darkest night will cast the shadows of this night before it. Everything, and we've discussed this last time when we looked at the solar existence, everything in this solar system is solidified sunlight, including our bodies and the various aspects of our mind. Ultimately, the only thing we are is spirit. Uh, That's the only thing that isn't solidified sunlight. Uh, But that spirit, that true divine spark, is one with all life throughout the universe. So how can we possibly own anything? How can we possibly possess anything? We may have to play a sort of a game, a man-made game, uh, to in order to acquire property or have a so-called ownership of various things on this very basic physical materialistic plane that we have to exist upon. And that kind of ownership might be there. But in reality, it's not true possession. And there's a subtle difference between the two. You know, the ancients used to talk about maya. They used to see things, material things, as illusory. And when you're in the path, you're in the cave, you're in the ashram, you're focused on meditation, you you have a begging bowl you take out to get your arms, to get your food, you might be able to get away with that. Uh, And it's, it's not that it's a wrong teaching ultimately, but it's not that useful because I would rather say than a, a delusion, uh, I would like to say a necessary illusion. It's, it's something we have to, to live with. And when service is paramount, we have to see material existence as a thing which exists, but it's not the ultimate reality. Uh, So to regard it as completely delusory wouldn't be help. You can accept material needs without being a materialist, as I said earlier. And to do so, we kill possession. And possession doesn't just apply to material things, by the way. It might apply to people, ideas, popularity, prestige. And we have to, and it's a strong word, kill, isn't it? Uh, It must be used deliberately. uh, And we have to really kill it out. And how do we do this? And I don't think there's any guesses about how we do it. Service. It is service which transmutes selfishness. Because the beauty of service is not a theory. If you're serving, you're actually doing it. It's not even an intention. And there's a lot of talk about intention uh, out there in the New Age movement. I'm not deriding it. But I would also say that Dr. King used to quote the old English saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But, and it comes back to Gino Sheldoni's moment of truth, action is essential. It's the concrete, actual manifestation of the thought or intention through service, which is the transmuter of all forms of possession. And you can try it. If you recognize in yourself a certain possessiveness about a person, an object, a desire, try instead to come up with a form of service in that context. And you can transmute it. If you crave something for selfish reasons and you know it, 
you can make a point of giving that very thing that you crave to someone else who needs it more than you do. And these ways will transmute selfishness into service. And there are noble examples throughout history of people who've done this and haven't always appeared to benefit from doing so. But that's a materialistic assessment. In the course of their evolutions, they must benefit. They will get this reward. And once again, we have a parallel quote in From Free Will to Freedom a year earlier by the Master Ethereus. It was a transmission delivered in New York. And the Master Ethereus said this, service, service, service is the key which opens the doors to all powers, to all forms of enlightenment, service to others. Now, that's new. That wasn't taught by a lot of people in the past. That If you wanted to get the powers, you usually were told you had to go off, you had to do this exercise, that exercise, strict discipline, and so on. Now, yes, the strict discipline can be there, but through service, practical service, and especially spiritual service. What a wonderful promise made by two exceptionally advanced masters, Mars Sector 6 and the Master Ethereus, and Dr. King once described the Master Theorist as the infallible one. So there we have a great teaching. We can bet on, we can test. And by the way, when it comes to spiritual service, and when it comes to the spiritual energy crisis, which I mentioned earlier, it's absorbing and using spiritual energy, which is key. I mean, we could be flooded with spiritual energy on this planet if we were allowed to be, and, and much energy is sent to this planet, sometimes through apparatus used by the Ethereum Society called a spiritual energy radiator, which, again, you can look that up on the Ethereum Society website if you're interested in that. But it's still got to be used. It still has to be absorbed. Even if a spacecraft comes into orbit of our world and beams down energy, which it does periodically, that's satellite number three, the dates are available if you want to look them up, but the energy still has to be absorbed. As a matter of fact, they called it the absorption factor. Otherwise, they, you get a thing called resonance, and this means the energy is virtually reflected back. It's not used. And so when you pray, when you heal, yes, you're helping others, but you're also helping to absorb the spiritual energy output on this plane. And that's a karmic manipulation. It's a wonderful form of service to others. And it's a key which opens the door to all powers and all forms of enlightenment. We, we don't serve purely to gain enlightenment. As I said earlier, that really wouldn't be service if that's why we did it. But there's nothing wrong at all in knowing that it's going to lead to enlightenment. And being motivated by that as a sort of secondary factor. Uh, it's a dual purpose incentive. It's oneness. You service and enlightenment are joined together in these teachings by in the nine freedoms and in the cosmic teachings in general. And it's really uh, the best way would be to serve in order to serve and then to find enlightenment in order to serve even more. And in the process of that, we become more enlightened. It's, it's a, it's a self-reproducing, it's a beautiful thing. It feeds off itself and it grows in, in the most wonderful way. And uh, in, uh, if I may be so bold to say, 
It expresses the evolutionary journey laid before us by Mars Sector 6 in the Nine Freedoms, all the way to solar existence. You'll see this over and over again, even with the Great Ones. They're going to extended periods of, for example, galactic samadhi. We don't know what that is. But they go into these periods, but only so that they can then come back, the wiser for it, the more capable for it, and apply it in service. And that service then leads them into greater enlightenment. And so it goes on and on, self-reproducing in the most wonderful evolutionary way. We remove possessiveness, we remove basic selfish desires. That clears the way for the kundalini to rise to higher chakras. We talked about that before. This enables us to radiate a purer form of love expressed through service. I'm not going to say it's easy. It isn't easy, but it is simple. In its essence, it's simple. Service leads to greater enlightenment, which leads to greater service, leading to greater enlightenment, and so on and on and on, infinitum in our journey back to God or the divine principle. Well, I'm now delighted to welcome our next guest back to the show again. Uh, I only saw her uh, earlier today over breakfast. And she is my wife. She's a bishop in her own right. She's given hundreds of services for decades and numerous lectures and workshops in various countries around the world. But today she's going to be leading our practice segment with a very important practice, actually, and sharing with us this practice, which has given through the mediumship of Dr. George King. It's called the practice of the presence. I will leave you in her very capable hands. Welcome, Alison Lawrence. Well, thank you very much for such a stunning introduction. Anyway, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to guide you through a very sacred practice. It's entitled The Practice of the Presence. But I would like to just say a few words beforehand, to put it in the context, so that we understand the whole purpose of our life in our cycle of evolution. And that purpose is to raise the power of Kundalini up the spine in full into the crown chakra at will. And we have heard all about that through the various programs and teachings of the Nine Freedoms. Now, this chakra is positioned above the head within the aura, wherein it dwells the divine spark within. And this is the part of you which is eternal everlasting, the aspect which is part of God and is represented as a miniature sun. It is invisible to the more basic aspect of our being, and according to the Master Aetherius, you can only see it through the eye of your superconscious. Now we've studied the ninth freedom, solar existence, and we can see a pattern throughout the whole matrix of creation from the greatest super sun down to the smallest atom. As above, so below, from the macrocosm to the microcosm. And there is an aspect of our being that is like a miniature sun. But it is through the grace of the Master Ethereus that we have been given at this sacred practice which enables us to reach up to the divine spark and be bathed in the golden flame of divinity, bringing us more under its influence. And this is what our higher aspect is trying to guide us towards. Now, this is a practice which should be performed on a regular basis. 
and according to the master Aetherius, it has been a closely guarded secret for at least 100,000 years, which takes us back to the golden age of Atlantis, before the fall and the final destruction. So this practice, the practice of the presence, is a thing of beauty. If practiced properly, it can unlock the door to spiritual illumination and bring about that state of transmutation. Now, the Master Theorius has given us more than one version of this practice, but I will guide you today through the version the Aetherius Society uses at our online services. And this practice will bring you closer to the influence of the superconscious, which of course is the divine self. So to do this now, let us sit up straight, close the eyes, Place the left hand over the solar plexus center, that's just above the navel, and the right hand over the left. And this locks the power within the body. Now using our powers of visualization, let us now think down from above the head a brilliant white light. Draw this down through the brain. See this white light like a white flame. See every cell of the brain lighted up with this white flame and then bring this down into the heart center, which is located in front of the breastbone within the aura. Now think upwards a violet flame from the very heart of the Logos, of the planet upon which we live. And of course, as we know, the Mother Earth is a living being. So let us bring this violet flame up through the feet, through the aura, up into the heart center. And now amalgamate together these two forces and raise them upwards through the top of the head into the golden sphere, which is like a miniature sun, which is the unmanifested spark of God within. Think down a golden flame a great and mighty golden flame down from the golden sphere and bring this right the way down through the body and aura until you are bathed in this warm, wonderful golden fire, the golden flame of pure spirituality, the golden flame of wisdom, of intuition, of inner guidance. And those are the words of Dr. King himself. And as we are doing this, I would just like to read these beautiful words from the Master Aetherius. It is an essence of peace, which floweth like the waters of God through your soul, your mind, your brain, and your body, all pervasive, this flame. And when you have done this, we will perform the sealing mudra. And it's an important aspect of any ritual. And to do this, brush the right palm over the left palm away from you once only. And this then completes the whole ritual. And 
As I said earlier, this is a practice which should be performed on a regular basis and it will enhance your powers of visualization and it will bring you closer to the divine spark within. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Alison. That's uh... That's a real beautiful uh, practice, of course. A lot of us do this every day. We can't really talk about the practice of presence too much. And it's interesting that you know you mentioned the miniature sun there, and last time we were talking about the sun as being you know, what was regarded in the Bible and the Hindu scripts as God. And, of course, that is the representation of that divine spark within us all. So thank you very much to Alison Lawrence. And I'll now bring back Darren Ball into the show, our producer, uh, with more questions. Darren. Hey, Richard. That was, uh, by the way, Alison's beautifully led, and there was a lot of little gems in there that you gave in the introduction. So thanks very much for that. One thing I'll say with Alison, only because I witness it, she (laughs) prepares everything to the utmost degree, even if it's a short uh, practice like that. So, yeah, it, I agree. It yeah. shows, it shows. Very yogic approach as well. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just before I get to another question here, I just thought I'd, uh, uh, I'd like to invite you all actually to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, whichever one that is, um, to help us spread the word about the show, Mars Sector 6, and, of course, these life-changing teachings in the Nine Freedoms. So, Richard, I thought I'd um, just come to you here to um, a question we had following one of our previous shows um, where we were talking about choosing your path. And this person came back in one of our emails and said, how would you tell whether a specific path is not only worth following, but the right one for you? Right. Well, um, I give a little – That's a, I, yeah, as I say, I'm not prepared for these questions. That's great. <laughs> I, lo- I love having them. But um, I look at it this way myself. Uh, and it's it's not avoiding the question, but I don't necessarily think that this concept of choosing the path for you, as taught by some people in this day and age, is necessarily right. By that I mean, some would say, well, a more uh, intellectually inclined person might be suited to Nani Yoga, a more psychically inclined person might be suited to Raja Yoga, and things used to be put out that way, you know, what suits you. But in this day and age, based on what we've heard in this show today, actually, service is the order of the day. So I think it's more a case of looking to see how I believe I can give the greatest amount of service to the world as a whole. Whatever that is, whether it's the path that I like the most, even, or whether it's the path that, uh, you know, attracts me the most, um, isn't the issue. It's how can I serve? Now, you might find that you come to a particular conclusion that it's, it's not, you know, you don't really feel you want to do it. And we've talked about that before. Uh, there are ways around that. I've come across it. Uh, I've known people have told me, for example, that they felt they should join the staff of the Ethereum Society, but they don't really feel right about it. And I said, well, you know, you, you sh- you've got to feel right about it, but then they take up various practices, they follow the teachings, and there comes a point where they do feel right about it, and then they do it. So you can identify the path which you believe you can do the most good to our world in, is, is what I would go for, and then bring about the change within yourself. There, there are plenty of examples. Even Dr. King himself was very honest that he personally preferred Raja Yoga and Nani Yoga to Karma Yoga. But this is prior to the Ethereum Society. But he knew that service was the order of the day. In fact, he vibrated to service his every 
action is every thought was geared towards service. But, you know, he might have been more attracted towards some of these other things like people can be, but he wouldn't consider doing what he was attracted towards doing. So that's a slight change there. Uh, It's more changing yourself in accordance with the path that's right, as Schweitzer did, for example. You know, he, he didn't choose the things he was interested in. He took up medicine because he believed that's how he, Schweitzer, could help lepers the most. And, and that's what he did. And then through that, he found total fulfillment and happiness. Yeah, I think actually rather than avoiding the question, that's really the, the, that was really the heart of the question, wasn't it? So uh, It is really, yeah. yeah. And I thought about it a lot. You know, there's a difference between what you want to do and what you're meant to do. That's the thing to find, actually, isn't it? What am I meant to do in this life? And it may not be the thing that you first... Uh, well, I mean, I, I, my degree was in music, and I was like trying to find ways to adapt, you know, how can I bring music into the ethereal society? But that was, you know, when I was a student. But there was, mm. there, it just wasn't there, although I did play in the Masters, Dr. King's combo, musical combo, but that yeah. wasn't the way. It, it's adapting yourself and applying those abilities you have in whatever area they are in another way because there's one thing dr king believed you know if you can be a great writer then you can be a great technician as well and if you can be a technician you can be a great cook in fact swami vivekananda said if you can't cook you can't meditate <laughs> you know that's so that's a simple yeah. way of putting it. there's one thing it, it it's just applying it in the most useful way yeah absolutely i um i think there's there's, there's not really much that's more inspiring than feeling like you're uh, fulfilling your destiny or following the path that's that you it. went to. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Totally. And then all the other things will come. All the other things will come. You know, the happiness, the fulfillment will come when you're doing that. Because the good news also always is that the, your higher self wants you to do that. Even if you don't feel yourself always that it's what you want. And if we're honest, all of us get up some days and think, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like this, that or the other. But and even the yogis felt that. They didn't want to sit down again and go through the same practice again mm. every day, always. But in the end, you do it. And and if you do do it, that's what discipline, that's where the word disciple actually comes from, discipline. Mm. Then all the other things will follow. And I think, uh, unless you have a very, very quick comment, Darren, that's bringing us to the end of our show here. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say a quick one here, which is that um, this just take a small extract from what this person said, which is that, you know, by using the protective armor, the practical application of the nine freedoms, service, love, prayer helps to keep my head above dark psychic waters when these challenges like fear face me sometimes, even on a daily basis. It manages to redirect my state of mind for the better. The battle continues on, but rewards of enlightenment will dawn upon us one day. And I have to Beautiful comment. Uh, I can't, couldn't improve on that. So I just want to thank our guests. I want to thank Gino Sheldoni for his moment of truth, Alison Lawrence for her beautiful leading in the practice, to Darren Ball, our producer, and especially to you, our listeners. And do remember, please, always, the way we end every spiritual freedom show, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.